Hi, this is Terry McDougall, corporate leader turned executive coach. I'm also the author of Winning the Game of Work, coming to you on Cut to the Chase. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 107. Yeah, I know. You guys are tired of me out there. You guys are going, my God, stop putting out episodes, Greg. This is just getting, it's too much. It's too much for us. Well, I'll tell you what. Today, if it's too much for you, we're going to have some fun talking about happiness and success on your own terms. What do you think about that? You know, I've got a featured guest today. She is full of energy. She's full of life. And I'll tell you, she has written a book related to happiness and success on your own terms. And this is going to be a fantastic episode. So hang in, get your water, get your coffee, whatever it's going to take, and be prepared for the ride. So today, our featured guest is an executive and career coach, speaker, best-selling author of Winning the Game of Work career happiness and success on your own terms. She's worked with high achieving professionals who are all successful, but not satisfied, meaning that they are paying a high price for their success in the terms of stress, anxiety, and overwork. There's probably other few other things in there that I want to say, but we'll leave those out. <laughs> Her mission is to help clients expand the overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness through coaching and combining a focus on shifting towards a positive solution-oriented mindset and identifying and developing the skills that will help them have more impact with less effort. Now, I've said a mouthful, and when we start to talk to her about this, we're going to ask her to explain that. Prior to becoming a full-time coach in 2017, she was a longtime marketing executive with a financial service company. She was also a wife and a mother of three children. She lives in the suburb of Chicago, and in her spare time, she has a podcast. And that podcast is called Marketing Mamba. She enjoys traveling, hiking, reading, and watching movies. And without further ado, we'd like to introduce our featured guest today, Miss Terry. How are you doing out there, Miss Terry? Oh, Gregory, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. Hopefully, uh, hopefully did a stand-up job introducing another, you know, featured podcaster onto our program. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I think that it makes me sound so much, uh, you know, more grand than I am. But thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, certainly a joy and delight to have you on board. 
obviously to talk about something that is near and dear and true to your heart, you know, happiness and success on your own terms, you know, obviously because you've written a book on that, you're helping, you know, high achieving professionals. You're also working with other professionals that are out there in basically, you know, trying to bring the right mindset, you know, for without all the stress you know, the, the anxiety, the overwork, you know, just, just the overall mental overload that, that typically happens. And so as we're talking about this, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'd like to open up with is what were the things that kind of drove you to writing a book? Uh, You know, it, it was sort of a gradual realization that I had a book in me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely one of these people that believes that if I can get a goal clearly in sight that I can make it happen. And so I did think, you know, years ago that maybe someday I'll write a book, but I didn't really have a clear view of what it would be on. Um, When I was getting ready to leave my last corporate job, I was really sort of looking back over my career and I started to think about the lessons that I'd learned. And I actually started a blog. And Mm -hmm. I, I blogged for a couple of years, not really thinking about doing a book, but two things came together that made me realize that maybe it was time to share this. Um, the blog was well-received. I was getting really good feedback on it. Um, somebody that I was friends with said, you know, how many words do you have? You've been blogging for a couple of years. How many words do you have? Cause you might have enough for a book. And Mm -hmm. so I never really thought about it, but I downloaded everything and I had about 25,000 words, which is enough, uh, definitely a good start on a book. And then Mm -hmm. at the same time, a friend of mine was going through a book writing program. And so I guess I just put these, you know, two and two together, like, hey, I have a great start for a book. And here's a process that I can follow to actually make it into a book. (laughs) And, um, and so I I jumped in, I didn't, I did end up writing another 50,000 words, my, my book is like 75,000 words. Um, But, yeah, so that's how it happened. And, you know, I really was was uh, motivated to share a lot of the lessons that I heard that I learned the hard way in the workplace about how to get ahead and not kill yourself while you're trying to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I and I would have to say that's probably something that a lot of us listening to this podcast uh, can probably take the heart because, you know, to position yourself, or excuse me, to position yourself for life, happiness, and success on your own terms, it's vital to have a philosophy. And your philosophy, as we've gathered, is basically to have that type of success, reducing you know the stress, the anxiety, the overwork, but also putting forth less effort. And I guess there's kind of a yin and a yang, or there's an opposite polarizing pull there that when you say, I can have more, but I can do it with less effort. I guess, can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think I knew instinctively, but it wasn't until I was writing my book and I was doing some research that I came across um, uh, a study that this professor at Harvard Business School did. His name's Tom DeLong. And his um, research basically showed that many high achieving people are addicted to external validation. 
And so they basically make it a habit of delaying gratification to get rewarded in the future. And, you know, if you think about people that did well in school, you know, so they're maybe staying in on Friday night to do their homework or their book Mm -hmm. report or whatever so that they can get an A and they get rewarded for it. So they keep doing that kind of behavior and then they get rewarded by getting into a good university. And then if they do that in university, they get rewarded by getting a good job. And it just becomes very much a habit to focus on what other people expect of us. Right. And at some point, what can happen for many people is that they actually stop paying attention to what they want, mm-hmm. right? They're so focused. And, and a lot of times they may realize that they're not very happy, but what they start to tell themselves is that like, well, if I get to the VP level or if I, you know, make $150,000 a year, I'll be happy, right? Mm-hmm. I'll be able to relax when I get to that point. But the mm-hmm. reality is it's becomes, it becomes such a habit that they actually get their life gets out of balance, quite frankly, right? And and right. Um, you know what I I'm a coach, and so I see it very often with many of my clients is that if they're not getting the result that they want, if they're feeling unhappy, if they're feeling anxious, if they're feeling stressful, they'll double down on what they've been doing, which mm-hmm. only exacerbates the problem, right? Mm-hmm. If you're feeling you know stressed because you know, you're trying to get some result at work and everything that you've done up until this point is actually not working to continue doing more of that is basically the definition of insanity. Right. And so, you know, my, um, you know, and you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit in the introduction, you know, when I'm helping people sort of rehabilitate a little bit about how they approach work, Mm -hmm. some of it is like shifting the mindset because, you know, sometimes when we put a lot of power in the hands of other people, including our bosses, I mean, I don't want to say that they don't have power, but a lot of times we will give authority figures a lot more power than they even expect, right? Like we're waiting for them to tell us like exactly what to do, or we're afraid to take action in a particular direction, even though we believe that's the right thing, because we're fearful of criticism or or we think like, oh, if I make one little mistake, I'm going to get fired. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had to sort of counsel some of my clients sometimes where, you know, they're like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what action to take. And so I say, well, what, you know, if you're thinking this is the action you want to take, what's the worst thing that can happen? And they'll say, oh, well, I might get fired. And I, and I'll say, well, you know, you just had your performance review and you aced it. Like right. they have told you that, that you're super valuable in the organization. So even if you make a mistake, what's the likelihood that that's going to happen? And a Mm -hmm. lot of times when they sort of start peeling the blinders back a little bit, they realize that there's a lot more um, options for how they show up and what action they can take. And that just gets the energy level, you know, it, it increases the energy level that they may feel and they may feel less you know, trapped or restricted in their role. And that just naturally is less stressful. And then on top of that, if, if their energy is flowing and if they're not feeling, you know, so fearful or, you know, either defensive or fearful, they, they might like kind of 
get more into that innovative mindset. And so maybe the idea that they bring to the table is something that's really valuable. That's, you know, only they can have, or only they can bring that perspective to the table so that it moves them from sort of, um, you know, being an order taker to really stepping into more of a leadership, uh, more of a creative uh, place where they're bringing extra value to their role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, those are those are very insightful uh, points that that you've that you brought up. And, you know, a couple of things come to mind when you think about the fact that people continue to try and they continue to put forth a lot of effort. And I think you utilize the term double down, you know, in the context of, of kind of, I guess, where my mind's going with this, you know, I find that there's a there's a burden that you can't relinquish or that you can't release because you feel that if you don't do it, you feel that if it doesn't happen, that uh, you're you're really a failure. And and so through your coaching, you know, how do you and how do you kind of relay you know, the, the, the message where it's, it's, uh, comprehended that you're not a failure and it, and it's okay to let that burden kind of go because a lot of us carry that around, you know, when we're being asked to do things that maybe, yeah, it's for the benefit of the company, but it may not be justifiable or beneficial to you. Uh, I've seen this in storylines and in monologues and even throughout some of my other professional friends where, you know, the sacrifice that people put in for their clients and for their customers, sometimes it causes a lot of distension, you know, in their personal lives. And, you know, we we continue to do it, you know, and that and like mm-hmm. you, like we've talked about, that cycle just continues to go on and on and on. And that's why for me, I kind of look at it as there's almost a, a burden that you're carrying, a weight that you're carrying either to justify something that is happening internally or to justify your worth to how you're being viewed or you've just psychologically figured out that, hey, I'm going to be a failure if I don't do this. And and I guess from your perspective and being a coach, you know, I really like to kind of understand better how do you, you know, um, how do you provide insight to those people that are really kind of stuck in that tranche? Well, I mean, gosh, there's so much there that you brought up. <laughs> Sorry. And, um, no, no, that's okay. It's really, really rich area for us to explore. Um, the first thing that I would say, and I, I think that this is really critical, is determining what your definition of success is. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people get when they get addicted to that external validation, that it makes things very much out of balance. Because quite mm-hmm. frankly, you know, like if you have one boss that loves you and thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is great, right? Because they're validating me. But we've all had this happen. They leave and somebody else comes in that is not reflecting that validation back to you. And, and you know, we can feel like losers, right? Like, oh my gosh, and, and end up doing, you know, things that aren't really in our best interest to try to get that validation. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality is you could have been doing the exact same things under those two different bosses 
mm-hmm. and maybe providing the exact same amount of value between those two different bosses. But because we're putting the power in the hands of that boss to say, you know, either you're great or you're not, we're giving up a lot of our own power. And I'm right. not saying don't listen to your boss. I mean, that's not a good recipe for success. But what I am saying is take it with a grain of salt and sure. have some balance, you know, have some perspective, some, you know, try to step back from the situation and say, you know, as objectively as possible, you know, am I doing a good job? You know, like mm-hmm. if these mm-hmm. things are expected, can I, can I check all of those things off? Well, if I right. am checking all of those off, even if this person doesn't like me and is giving me a lot of headaches or saying that I'm not good, am I gonna am I gonna embrace that or am I gonna look at it in the bigger context? And I mean, because there's a lot that can be going on. And I think many of us have experienced, you know, a boss who's envious, a boss who's insecure, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that just doesn't like us for some reason, right? This is not mm-hmm. an objective way for them to evaluate whether we're quote unquote, a good employee or not, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of motivators for people to put you down, right? Oh, yeah. If you don't, Absolutely. If you don't feel good about yourself, or if somebody's telling you you're not management material, and then maybe you're not going to step up when in fact, you're quite talented. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm just saying, like, step back and get a broader view of what's going on. And, you know, don't necessarily double down on things because, because quite frankly, sometimes you can be taken advantage of. Like right. somebody can tell you, I mean, there's a lot of toxic and abusive people in the workplace that will use, you know, manipulation to try to get you to do things that benefit them, but do mm-hmm. not benefit you. And mm-hmm. it's important to be able to see that. And I mean, this is taking it to the extreme, but, you know, I, I know plenty of people that work in decent places that still feel that imposter syndrome or, you know, sense of insecurity, because again, it's because they're not, you know, they're not really seeing a clear view of the value that they bring to the table. And I think it's, um, and I, I think one of the other things that you brought up was about, you know, being a quote unquote failure. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing I really try to get across to all of my clients and and actually anybody in the world is that you are innately worthy, Mm -hmm. period. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do anything to be innately worthy. You just are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if anybody Mm -hmm. is trying to make you feel like you're less than, it's important to reject that. It's important to get in touch with your own inner wisdom with your own inner value to understand that your happiness matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, okay, like every day is going to be a bed of roses, right? But if you are in a situation where no matter what happens, that it is just completely toxic and, you know, you just can't win, I mean, you can try some different things and that's what we try to do in, in coaching, but, um, you know, life is way too short to subject yourself to that. And sometimes when people are in, you know, kind of no win situations, they'll blame themselves for that. Right. And, and sometimes the best thing to do, I mean, much like 
in some marriages, sometimes the best thing to do is just to get divorced. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. the best thing to do is to leave that job and to recognize that it was just a no win situation. It wasn't a good fit. And you are worthy. You just have to get into the right situation. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but I also will say that sometimes people will come to me and say like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm in so much pain in my job and I just want to quit it. I'm working so many hours. And I've had a number of clients that, you know, once we start evaluating what's really going on, mm -hmm. there are some things that they've missed in terms of they actually have a lot more power in the situation or authority in the, the situation. And they just don't recognize that it's there and it's theirs to use. Mm -hmm. And once they start, you know, being proactive about doing the things they're able to, they actually are more successful, they're happier, they're less stressed, they're working less. And, you know, I'll just give you an example of um, one client that I worked with, mm -hmm. who she had uh, worked for this company for a long time, and she had worked her way up to be a team leader. She had eight people reporting to her. And basically, she was kind of a player coach. You know, she mm -hmm. she was the mm -hmm. supervisor, but she also did what her team did. And so if somebody ever had a problem, or they were running behind, she could kind of jump in and grab stuff off their plate, and you know, just keep the team's work moving forward. Well, she mm -hmm. did really well. And she got promoted to be the director of a, a department of 50 people. Well, mm -hmm. When we started working together, she was just a few months into that role. And she, she came in, she was exhausted. She said, I'm working like 70 hours a week. I'm actually considering asking my, my boss to demote me. And I was like, mm. oh, please don't do that. You know, like right. you've been seen as someone who is talented and no doubt you are. But also what got you here is not going to get you to the next level. And what I right. saw with her is something that I see a lot of times when people get promoted is that mm -hmm. they don't mentally promote themselves to the next level. She right. had a lot more resources at her disposal, but yet she was trying to manage that team of or that department of 50, like she managed her team of eight. Right. And so, you know, we just started looking for what I call the leverage points, mm -hmm. which is, okay, you know, where can you, you know, put in less effort and get more output, right? Yep. Like using yep. a lever. And she wasn't doing things like, well, first of all, one of the things that she was doing was that she had an open door policy. So people were coming into her office all day long and she right. was a mother of two young kids. And she said, you know, I, I'm not, my husband has to take them to their soccer games because I have to bring my work home to do on the weekends because I never have time to do it over the week. And, you know, the first thing that we did was I said, shut your door for two hours a day. Right. And she was worried because she thought, well, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm, you know, unapproachable, or I don't want them to think that, you know, there's something going on behind closed doors. And I was like, this is your prerogative. Mm -hmm, you run mm -hmm. this department, you can mm -hmm. decide what you want to do. If you mm -hmm. feel like you must communicate it, you can just tell people, look, I need to get my work done, too. I'm going to close my door. If it's an emergency, you can knock and come in, but otherwise, don't. And, you know, one of the things that was really interesting about that is that what she discovered was people were coming to her less. And, you know, I surmise that it's because when her door was closed, they just went to somebody else <laughs> to, right. if they had a question or if they needed help on something. And 
you know, one of the things that I, I really try to encourage my clients to do is focus their energy on their highest value work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was really, you know, she was doing work that was below her pay grade by Mm -hmm. helping people on, you know, helping them with the spreadsheet or helping them get access to the system. Like that's way below her Mm -hmm. pay grade, you know, Mm -hmm. and if somebody else can do that, who gets paid less than her, that frees her up to work on higher level, more strategic work. And so, you know, she, over the course of our time working together, she was able to um, dial back her, the hours that she was working significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing was that, um, I think that she actually started recognizing her value and, uh, she actually ended up taking another job, uh, with another company. I, I, it was funny because like for years she said that recruiters had been calling her and she just wouldn't take their calls. Mm-hmm. And she ended up, um, taking a call from a recruiter. She went to uh, a competitor, ended up getting a 30% raise, and she had much narrower job responsibilities. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't having to work as long of hours either. So I I, I kind of call that success and happiness. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, plus the fact that it, you know, it, it strikes the right balance, um, you know, like we've talked about between your professional goals as well as your personal goals, because without that, you know, that's, that's obviously a big part of your happiness, particularly being a parent myself. You know, I, I can look back on some of my, earlier on entrepreneurial, uh, endeavors and having to be pulled away, you know, uh, from, from home when your kids have dance recitals or they have swim lessons or swim meets or whatever the case may be. And you're on a plane, you're stuck in the airport, you're at a client site or something like that. And eventually it just, it takes toll on you. You know, it puts you into a, uh, a sense or a frame of mind to say, am I doing this for the right things? You know, I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. you got to put food on the table. We all have to survive. We have to have income, but certainly, you know, when it just takes you away, it reprograms you, it changes your, your course and your trajectory. And then, you know, if you do that for so many years, you find out that you're not even the same person with the same ambitions and admirations that drove you to start something like that in the first place, whether it's taking on a new job or starting up a company or whatever that case may be. Mm -hmm. And you have to have the ability to be able to bring that thing, bring those things back and find that peace and tranquility to be able to have that happiness and success on your own terms. And as you can probably tell by me talking, you know, I'm a kind of living witness to what we're talking about because, you know, I, I went down a path for many years, two decades, you know, and uh, when things kind of went south, you know, I had to basically say, well, why am I doing this? You know, mm-hmm. I really needed to make sure that number one, I'm fulfilled, you know, because as they say, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you ask yourself the question, are you happy? And if the reply is no, if your reflection says, no, you're not, then the question should be, is what are you going to do about it? I mean, because that's the next, you know, actionable thing that you have to do to be able to kind of move the needle and accept accountability and be committed to that transition or that transformation to help you get there, you know, and sometimes those things are not 
very easy at all, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that to your point, you know, why, why am I doing this? Right. I, I think that it's very easy once you get on the hamster wheel to be like, okay, I just got to go faster. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when, when you're getting success or when you're becoming successful, whether it's, you know, the title or the company or the money or whatever, um, it, I think at some point saying, well, how much is enough? Right. Right. And why am I doing this? You know, a a couple instances come to mind for me about whenever I I worked in banking as a marketing leader. And one of the businesses that I supported was investment banking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, investment bankers are very smart people, highly driven. They typically travel a lot Mm -hmm. and they are well compensated for it. I mean, I I think that Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. managing directors probably make in the millions. Mm -hmm. And I knew of a couple instances where a couple of the um, bankers chose to either retire or to step into a different role, like maybe in commercial banking or something that was more regional and they didn't have to mm-hmm. travel as much mm-hmm. because their children were having issues, mm-hmm. right? That their children mm-hmm. were getting into trouble. And mm-hmm. you have to think, well, maybe because dad is traveling, you know, 300,000 miles a year, right? That right. he's gone from, you know, Sunday night to Thursday night every week, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's nice. Like there's a lot of great things that come along with that. There's probably like, you know, vacation homes and elaborate vacations and nice cars and nice clothes and country clubs and a lot of the trappings that come along with that level of success. But, you know, how much is that worth if your, you know, child has, you know, either mental health problems or addiction problems or, you know, there's a lot of issues that can come with, you know, having a parent who's not there. Right. 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 And that money is small comfort, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad you brought that up because that's, that's definitely something that I wanted to segue into here just for a brief moment is because, you know, the question has always been when you, you see these things out there, whether it's social media or you see the family down the street or you see, you know, the Joneses uh, across the street from you, you know, things are happening. And, you know, it could be positive as you look at it being an individual or family seeing what's going on in others' lives, but you're not living their lives. And so therefore, the question is always opposed to me. And I always put this on the table for people because, like I said, you know, from my past experiences, I hit that plateau. And on a lot of cases, it wasn't about the happiness. It was always about something else, which made it so convoluted in some aspects that, you know, the sacrifices and the burdens that you put out there and the things that you constantly grind and grind and grind for, you didn't really benefit the fruits of their labor. And so the Mm -hmm. question that I like to kind of put out there to people when they're always talking about, you know, the happiness and, and, and the things that materialistically that will help them be, you know, more happier is, I always ask, is perception reality? Because if you're living in a fantasy world versus what is actually happening in your day to day, then you're completely decoupled from the extremities 
of where reality actually is. And I see it so much out there on social media where people are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm having this nice vacation or I'm doing this or I'm doing that or they're posing with cars and jewelry and all these great things. And I say to myself, have you really considered what those people do on a day-to-day basis? That's obviously not their lives. Now I'm not I'm not saying that in a in a in a negative way because I respect, you know, whatever's going on out there. That's how people make their living. I can appreciate that. But sometimes in some lines of work, you put on a front, you put on mm-hmm. a show, sure. you put on you put on a false pretense that really doesn't qualify or quantify that this is who you are. You're, you're almost being an actor, you know, to, to how you cast yourself out there in the world. And to me, you know, I find that those things can be, they can be, uh, they can put you almost into like, like a washing machine when you can't decipher, you know, perception from reality, fantasy world from mm-hmm. reality. And eventually if you stay in it mm-hmm. for too long, your your mind is watched of being in this fantasy world and thinking that fantasy is reality when in mm-hmm. all instances it's not. No, I, I agree with you um, very much. And I, I feel like in the time that we're living in, there's you know, we're surrounded by this, right? And mm-hmm. and we've got the social influencers and we've got people that, you know, make their living by, you know, getting people to follow them. And yeah, they are actors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very easy to, to start to think that like, oh, what we see is reality. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, that there's, there's definitely some artifice going on there. Um, that's, that's why I think it's really, really important to, you know, I love the yin and yang, um, uh, analogy that you brought up because I mm-hmm. do think that it's really critical to start to reestablish that connection with your inner wisdom and with mm-hmm. your true self mm-hmm. and to recognize, I mean, this is, this is something that I learned, um, and it was a long time coming to, to be quite frank, cause I was definitely one of those, you know, do whatever it takes to be quote unquote successful. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was not really always connected fully with myself and I wasn't always showing up often authentically. I was really Mm -hmm. trying to show up the way I thought people wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. And as you reconnect with yourself and you strengthen that connection, you care a lot less about what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is that we never know what other people think of us. There's That's absolutely right. no way to know what other people think of us. And the thing that bothers us is what we think other people think of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if mm-hmm. that doesn't blow your mind, right. But mm-hmm. if you start to say, you know what, I like myself and I'm being who I am and I'm happy with myself and I could care less what anybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a tremendous amount of power in that. And if you start looking at people in the, in the world that we have a lot of respect for, or people that people really like, mm-hmm. it's usually the people that show up and they're like, you know, here I am, take me in mm-hmm. all the glory. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we might envy people that are, you know, all shiny and, you know, 
seem to, you know, like posing with the jewelry and all that, we might envy them. But mm-hmm. I don't think that we typically are like, oh, I really like them. Right. Mm-hmm. We like the people that show up as they are, warts and all, because when those people do that, it gives us permission to also show up as we are. Yeah. 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 I call that being uh, <clears throat> unapologetic and, yeah. and, and who you are and, and not allowing for all of those external influences, whether they be direct or indirect, uh, to, to kind of deter you from being the individual that you want to cast out into the world. And there's just so many things that we could share, you know, with regards to how that relates back to happiness and success on your own terms. <clears throat> but I'm going to I'm going to segue here just a little bit and I'm going to I'm going to bring up something that has always in a lot of cases been talked about behind closed doors, but people go well, that's just really odd, you know, that uh, that that someone would say that to you, Greg. And so the story goes like this. I started my podcast up after doing, you know, a, a lot of research. And to kind of advance this story a little bit, you know, I sought out, you know, some of the other, you know, fun, you know, phenomenal podcasters that are out there not looking for, you know, what made them successful, but really trying to understand their systems and their processes that go on behind the scenes. Because to me, those things were important. I didn't really care about what their program was about. I didn't really care about, you know, how they how they devise, you know, their their theme or this or that, because I knew that that wasn't going to be me. I wasn't going to follow their suit and the extremity of how they move their brand forward. I was more interested in the mechanics mm-hmm. and philosophies and those things that were important to make any engine or any type of brain power or any process work in a very harmonistic type of way. So I remember meeting this one young lady and she trolled me for a while. I have the utmost respect for her. And uh, she offered, you know, coaching guiding, which I never accepted any of the coaching guiding from anybody because, uh, you know, I wanted to do it my own way. And so I was just all about the knowledge. I figured if, you know, if, if you're willing to share knowledge with me, I'm willing to share knowledge with you and we can, we can, we can have that collaborative effort and there never has to be any type of fundamental, you know, obligations or commitment, you know, involved. And the one thing that stood out to me, which I've never shared with anybody is the fact that this young lady said to me, she said, you know, Greg, I really like what you're doing with your with your podcast and 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 all of the great things that uh, that you've got going on out there. However, you need to change this 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 and this. And when she got to the one point of saying, "Well, you need to change the name of your podcast," it really comes across in a negative connotation. It comes across mm-hmm. as like slang. Mm-hmm. And it really disturbed me so doggone bad that I said, what? I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, here was my happiness and my success on my own terms that I'm having someone else that 
is external to my operation, to my day to day, for that matter, don't even talk with, you know, on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, (laughs) tell me that you need to change the name of your podcast, because if you're going to be talking with, you know, astute type people, if you're going to be talking with, you know, people that are going to be, you know, well known and all these other great things, then they're not going to gravitate to cut to the chase spelt with the K mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. you know, TH and all of this stuff. Yeah. And I said, time out. I said, the first question that I have for you is whose podcast is this? Is this my <laughs> yeah. podcast or is it your podcast? Right, right. And she says, well, I'm just explaining to you. I'm just, I'm just saying, I said, well, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Uh, since you didn't answer that, I'm going to assume that that's, that answer is yes. And then I said, my second question to you is, do you understand the meaning of how Cut to the Chase is actually spelt and enunciated in its proper term, what that truly means significantly over what the proper spelling of Cut to the Chase Mm -hmm. means? And she says, well, uh, Not really, you know, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. what difference does it make? And I said, well, let me tell you, statistically, when you look at cut to the chase, how it is basically spelt as far as our podcast is spelt, it requires you to release your pretenses. It taps into your psyche. It wants you to be as authentic and as real as you possibly can be. That means there's no cookie cutter BS that is talked about on our show. It is the real deal. We want you in your most authentic form, unscripted, unbridled. And I said, the other aspect of how you would spell cut to the chase requires you to kind of somewhat get to the point. Now, they're very similar in the aspect, but in the in the extremity of what we really focus in on is that authenticity. And we focus in on not coming to us based on something that has been provided before, because my audience as a whole, that's not what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so as this banter went on back and forth, so forth and so on, um, you know, I realized that I needed to kind of keep my eye out for her because she's well known in the podcast community, mm-hmm. you know, and as and as things continue to grow and continue to blossom for me, you know, just just like having any other troll out there, you know, you can <laughs> you can expect the good with the bad and, yeah. you know, the bad with the ugly. Sure. And so, you know, we got to a point to where our podcast, you know, popped, you know, these just crazy numbers, you know, would like, you know, above 35,000 followers and we went to 45,000 followers. And now I think we're over 50,000 followers. And she was just all over me. She goes like, what are you doing? You know, how are you getting all this stuff done? And blah, 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 blah. Well, it's because of what I originally said to her in the beginning is because mm-hmm. this is my happiness. You know, this is my success on my own terms, and we were going to make this happen with or without the external noise that most of these people were trying to bring because we're going to make it relevant enough so that people can relate and that they can basically feel fulfilled after they listen to one of our episodes. And so, you know, later on 
in life, we know we we talked again, and she says, "Well, I don't understand how you how you how you're just having this this type of overnight success." And I said, "You really think it's been overnight? I mean, yeah. it's been over a year, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Of, of, yeah. Of, of of gravitating and working and you know meeting people and and expressing my vision yeah. and my ideas and creativity right. and just doing all of these things." But I said, "You came in on day one." Not even knowing one iota about me or my podcast and try to cast your negativity into my happy place. And yeah. that's why, you know, I gave her the veto. <laughs> so, I yeah, mean, you was- know what, Gregory, this, this is like that story is such a beautiful illustration of exactly what I talk about with, you know, starting to develop that internal validation, like you knew, Mm -hmm. and you had a very clear vision of what you wanted to do, and you knew why you wanted to do it. And you rejected her coming in and saying, well, hey, I'm this, you know, podcast bigwig, and you should listen Mm -hmm. to me, and I'm going to come in and start judging you before I even understand what your objective Mm -hmm. is. And by Mm -hmm. the way, that was a tremendous violation on her part to come Absolutely. in and start advising you without you giving her permission to do that. Like, you, right. I'm, you know, presumably you didn't ask her for her opinion. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, just think about what might have happened if you had given up your authority, if you'd been like, well, okay, I guess you're the expert, you know, and I want you to like me and I, you know, you must know what's best. And so I'm going to let you, you know, dictate what I should do. I mean, had you done that, I mean, first of all, you probably would have felt like I don't really own this, right? So maybe your passion and your energy for this wouldn't have been as strong. And secondly, because it wasn't your true vision, because, you know, if, if you had allowed her to come in and sort of pollute your vision with her judgment, that it probably wouldn't have resonated, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this mm-hmm. is the thing that I really believe um, is that all of us is, are here for a reason, right? We all have a purpose here on earth. And I think our mission on earth is to figure out what that is. And it yeah. might be that we go out and try things and it might be that we fall on our face, but we're going to learn. And, you know, I love the saying that I came across a couple of years ago, which is even when you fall on your face, at least you're moving forward. Absolutely. Like this is a lot of times how we learn is by trying things. And, you know, you can you can adjust your podcast any way you want. I just think Mm -hmm. that's really interesting that she came in and just started criticizing because that's who asked her. And and actually, this this also uh, connects with another thing that I always want people to understand, which is, you know, who what human really has the right to judge you. Right. I mean, we're judged by lots of people, you know, we're judged by our parents and by our teachers and our bosses and all that kind of stuff. And in, in certain situations, I mean, I suppose that it is part of being socialized. It's part of working for a company, but like if it's getting to your soul, Mm -hmm. that's a violation, right? Mm -hmm. Like if Mm -hmm. you can have feedback from your boss, like, Hey, you did this and you really should have done this instead. And because of that, you're only getting a 2% raise instead of a 3% raise, whatever, like, you know, hopefully, you know, we can, we can step into that and be like, okay, I, I'm accountable for 
what I did, right? And that, and I, I accept the fact that that's my boss's prerogative to judge me in that way. But when people start judging you personally, mm-hmm. or whenever that kind of judgment, like, just doesn't feel like it's aligned with who you are, you're having to sacrifice too much. Mm-hmm. It might be time to step back and and remind yourself that, hey, guess what? I'm a child of God and I'm worthy. And if this is too painful, if I'm having to sacrifice too much of who I truly am, maybe it's time to find something different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think way too many times when people aren't making those changes, it's because it's out of fear. You know, they're fearful that like, well, maybe this is the best I can do. Maybe I can stay here and quote unquote, be safe. You know, I don't have to risk anything. But the reality is that if you're staying in a, a situation that's even slightly toxic or a situation Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. you're having to sacrifice who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. that's a much bigger risk than, you know, leaving a job or, you know, getting a job that pays less or where you'll, you're going to be happier, you know, and, you know, I, I, I do work with people that are in job search and, you know, a lot of times whenever people have been out of work for a few months and, you know, and it's frustrating. They really, you know, they're smart and they've had a lot of interviews and maybe just haven't gotten the offer. You know, I always try to tell them like, let's fast forward to you being 90 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's look back. You're not going to be unemployed between age 38 and age 90, right? Mm-hmm. Like you will get something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. It might not be what you envision right now is what you quote unquote should have, but you'll find your way. And right. maybe it's going to be something very different than what you were doing before, but that's going to, maybe that'll be a better path, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people do have things that shake up their lives, they do find themselves in a better place. The transition isn't always fun, but when they finally land, a lot of times they're like, thank God that happened to me. Thank God I got, um, I got laid off, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Terry, this has been um quite a fun experience for me i i certainly hope that that you've had fun we we're actually way over our time and my guys are going hey <laughs> you know are you yeah. guys done bantering <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you, if once I once I get on my high horse about this, I'm very passionate about this topic, and I I truly want everybody to know that they deserve to be happy. They deserve to be able to be their authentic selves, and you know, it's within the power of all of us to find our way to that place. Absolutely, absolutely, I totally, totally agree, and uh, it's been a delight to have you on the show, and and certainly. Um, the chemistry between you and I on this episode is, is like, uh, quite infectious. So I, I think we might be dangerous on podcasts going forward, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, this has been, uh, this has been great. And so as we wrap up, um, you know, certainly with regards to your executive, uh, coaching, you know, how can people get your book? You know, if they want to reach out to you, how, how would they go about doing that? Well, they can reach out to me through my website, which is terrybmcdougall.com. They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very active out there. And my handle is terrybmcdougall. And my book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And the title is Winning the Game of Work 
career happiness and success on your own terms. And then finally, Marketing Mambo, if you're a marketing nerd like I am, and you want to hear me talking with other marketing nerds about fun marketing topics, um, you can find that at marketingmambo.net. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And so um, I, I saved a quote here that I want to read off before um, we depart. And it says, today, the universe will bless you with one person that gives you everything you've prayed and cried for. And that person is you. And it will be a beautiful journey. So folks, you know, Terry and I have talked about just happiness and success on your own own terms. It is a very important topic for for all of us out there today as we continue to deal with what's going on in society and what's going on across the world. And as I've always stated, you know, let's maintain empathy and compassion for all and try to bring forth a promotable union and togetherness and look out for one another and please and please be safe out there. Terry, this has been just a wonderful experience for me. I, I, I you know, like I said, I'm, I'm ecstatic, you know, I'm, I feel like I just uh, got hit with uh, a drug of uh, endorphins, which, uh, you know, my brain's running crazy right now. But yeah, this has been fun. This has been real fun. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled because uh, I'm definitely about helping people be happy. So I'm glad to hear those endorphins are running through you, Gregory. It, this was yeah. really a, a fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for all your support, love and fellowship and everything that you guys have done for Cut to the Chase. This is episode 107 entitled Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. I'm your host, Gregory Proctor. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.